Hello and welcome to UOK Man, a weekly men's mental health discussion. I'm Elliot. I'm Jake. And I'm Tom. And uh, you okay, man? So, how are you doing, Tom? I'm doing good. It's been a it's been a good week actually, compared to other weeks. A uh, bit of context: I went through a breakup. What, no, three weeks ago now. Four weeks ago. Right. No, it must be less than that. No, it was on. No, it was right at the start of start of May. It was like a few days yeah, before. Yeah, four her weeks birthday. ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, no, it was. I think. Yeah, four weeks ago. That's crazy. No, it's it's been. Yeah, it's, this week's been a good week. I've kind of found myself again, given back into it, got back into routine, the stuff that I used to do. But no, it was tough. Like it was real hard. I think the the thing that hit me hard the most i mean yeah i mean it's all on it's all good terms it, it just it, it's all it's all happy stuff it's not like it's a you know end of the road i'm done sort of thing yeah um but no it was just the thing that hit me hard the most was just because you have such a routine i mean elliot and all oh, you both have it with your, your current girlfriends is that you're so used to speaking to them every day it's like you know there's some there's always gonna be a text from them there's always something that comes that's going to be from them that mm. you can engage with. But the moment that goes, you, there's just this huge empty space in your life that now needs to be filled. And you're with mm. something that you're so used to, honestly, you like it a lot because you know, it's a relationship. That's the sort of, obviously it's the reason why you're getting into it. And so you've now lost it and you've got to fill it with something else. And that's what I try. I think that's what I struggle with the most is just trying to find something that made me happy. Um, but didn't remind me too much of it. It can't be, it can't be easy filling a hole like that, especially when we're in lockdown, when there's limited things that you can be doing. Oh yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the normal way people would get over these sort of things is to go out, do stuff. But when you can't go out and do stuff, like what, what do you do? And there, you know, that that's something I had to deal with. And it was just, you know, throwing myself into literally anything that came up in the house i was like empty dishwasher i'll do it i'll do it now and i'll do it well um so it was just that and then yeah it was surprising like the not only the mental effect it had me but like the the mental slash physical side of things like i just there was just no energy like you know I, I was i was a big i really got into running over lockdown like i was saying last week we were saying last week that running is really good because it just helps you focus on the then and now like in the moment yeah and it was just you know before the breakup i was it was fine and I could go out, smash out 5k, come back and everything would be good. But, you know, I tried it again I think last week, start of last week. And that was still like three weeks after things had stopped. And it was just, I had no mental drive, no motivation at all to do I anything. Think, I think people forget that when you go through such an emotionally traumatic experience, such as a breakup, mm. that that mental effect actually then does impact you physically the, the mind and the body are, are, are one thing they're very much entwined um yeah I, I don't know about you elliot um and i know obviously you're, you've experienced this very recently tom but when i was you know going through a previous breakup um i was completely distraught done like i, I wouldn't even get out of bed like mm. i had no energy whatsoever exactly the same experience that you're having tom so i can completely relate to that and and the fact that you have managed to, in these exceptionally difficult circumstances, given the lockdown and being inside, you know, push through that, you're doing everything you possibly can in the circumstances, you know, these incredibly different cir- difficult circumstances that you've been given. Um, and you just, you know, you need to be really proud of yourself for that, given we are locked down and there isn't much you can fill that, you know, that gap with that you now have so yeah just pat yourself on the back mate well done oh yeah no thank you no no i feel oh no obviously thank you for saying that that's very very kind of you to say um but um no i just felt it's always been that mindset where i've just got to pick myself up move on just put myself in my happy place and and just keep myself busy and keep myself going from there and that will eventually get me through to a a spot where i feel good about myself again and luckily you know I've, i've landed in that place so on, on, on that note then, 
um obviously you said like there's a there's a tendency to when you have a breakup to kind of go out and distract yourself and something like that rather than sort of address what has happened do you think that being in lockdown has forced you to confront how you're feeling in that situation rather than uh, a bit better than perhaps going out and distracting yourself would be um yeah no definitely though um I think when you, you don't have the ability to go out and distract yourself, you're definitely forced to, like you said, just to sit down and confront, like, um, just what happened, basically. Mm. It's, that's probably as broad as you could put it. But the thing, like, the thing is with the, like, the split, it wasn't, I mean, obviously, I can't put words in other people's mouths, but it wasn't like a, a thing did wrong. It wasn't like a, you know, this happened and that's it. It was just like a, a slow things weren't go things weren't being easy and yeah. it wasn't easy to sustain it um so it was just easier to stop than try and carry on and, a, and, when, and when you're apart as well like you know you know things 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 aren't easy when you're at a distance um yeah simply put yeah, yeah no like we were saying last week like we're, you know everything's been done over text and you know a, a text is never a full message mm. um so it's hard to really sustain what's going on but you know it you know these things happen and it's the it was the better choice than try and force something that was you know in in, in hindsight very hard to keep going yeah and, and I, so i i um the the last breakup i went through uh was probably about uh, yeah i guess two and a half years ago now but it was just before i went on my gap year and uh i broke up with my girl i, I broke up with my girlfriend but well, we broke up it was mutual uh of I, yeah it's probably about a year just every year um and it was it was difficult because like there wasn't any one thing that was wrong you know what i mean like there wasn't no one cheated on each other we didn't have a huge argument a huge fight it was just kind of well it was it was where i was mentally i was i was really really dissociated at the time and so i kind of wasn't present and and she'd just gone off to uni and I was about to leave for Canada and it was just like a bad time and everything was at the, at the wrong place, wrong time. And the relationship had kind of reached a, a stagnant point mm. and we both kind of knew that it had to end and it wasn't the right place, but it still fucking sucked. Yeah. It's like, mm, there's yeah. nothing you can be angry at. No. And I remember for, for me, I, I spent about 24 hours, 48 hours in bed, just doing nothing, just feeling mm. sorry for myself. And after that, I was like, right, I should be done then. Like, I'm, I've, I've had my time, feeling sorry for myself. Got to get up, do, get on now. You're, you're, you're better than that. And I, I, you know, I actually, I'd left for Canada about a week after we broke up. And then yeah. I, was, I was meeting new people and I was going out and distracting myself and whatever. And, you know, it wasn't until, like, I came back from Canada that I actually had time to address the relationship. And, you know, that was nine months after we broke up that I yeah. actually came to terms with the nature of the relationship. And I, I think that you put that it on hold, essentially, didn't you? Yeah. You put it on hold. You know, and I think that tendency to try and distract yourself isn't healthy. And like, I think that you, I think you've you've probably reached a really good place by being forced to confront it, even if it was even if it was difficult at the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I really want to. It's not a nice thing to address. I really want to commend your emotional maturity, though, mm. because when mm. I was your age and I was going through a similar similar process with a breakup. I was all over the shop and like, I, you know, I, I was, I was unable to contain my emotions. I was uh, in a very bad place. Mm. Um, so yeah, well, just very much well done for being incredibly emotionally mature and, and stable. Oh. That's it. Yeah. So, no, they, yeah. And there'll no, be bad like, times. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, definitely. But, like I said, with Elliot said it perfectly there, like there's nothing to be angry about mm. and that doesn't make it harder in a sense, but it just makes it, just feel it like you can't oh, direct a, a yeah, one there's nothing, at one spot. Yeah, there's nothing to point a finger at, and you can't be like, "This is the reason. This is it." It's just, just a very. <laughs> it's when you like a kid and you say, "This is a very adult thing. It's just something you have <laughs> to let go of, mm -hmm. and it will all be okay." Um, but there's there's but, still things you can learn from this, right? And there's still things that you've learned about communication and and stuff like that, right? Oh and, yeah, and no, expressing yourself as well. Yeah, no, it's just about. I mean, I mean, these things aren't linked to, uh, you know, to why things stopped, but it's just, especially going through like the breakup and aftermath, it's just, it, I found it very important to, to be honest with yourself and be honest with what you're feeling, mm. whether it, 
you know, whether it's hard for you to hear personally or for someone else to hear, but it's, it's just always important to get out what you're feeling and, and, and just, um, just to be able to understand what you're feeling. Cause it's very easy to have all these emotions inside you and, uh, and be, be overwhelmed by it, but understanding it and coming to terms with it is important as well. And so, yeah. No, you, you, you oh yeah. I was going to finish one final thing. It was just like, um, well, what Jake was saying was like, yeah, I mean, it hasn't been easy. There have been very tough times and, you know, I haven't been the easiest person to deal with <laughs> about it. So, and, but it, it's just about like slowly coming to terms with it. And yeah, you're doing a fantastic job doing that, mate. Just pat oh, yourself on the back. Thank you. And it's, yeah. it's it, that, that's what I was going to say is it's, it's really difficult to come to terms with things by yourself. Because when you, when you talk to yourself, when you think about things on your own, you're stuck with your own internal logic. Yeah. And you can say things in your head that actually, if you were to say them out loud, sound absolutely ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, for example, in the relationship that I was in, I was like, the only reason that we broke up was because of my dissociation and it was my mental health problems that was the only reason yeah. why we broke up. And obviously saying that out loud, that's, that's, that's totally unreasonable. Yeah. And so often a, a large part of getting over a breakup is talking about it with people and having someone to bounce those ideas off. And obviously in lockdown, it's, it's really hard to do that because mm. you're either calling someone and that you feel like there's a barrier or you're texting someone and that's even more of a barrier. Yeah. You know? And you don't um, want to feel like a burden as well. And that's yeah, the other yeah, bit. Exactly. No, especially with, you know, with the way talking about mental health is, mm. is it's one talking about it hard and then two feeling like a burden it's yeah and you should and never I want to put this out there yeah never a burden you're no. never a burden and it's, no. it's so difficult because like literally last night i was yeah i mean i'll, I'll talk about this in a minute but like last mm. night i was there being like i don't want to be a burden to jenny with what's going on mm. realizing that this was pretty much the exact same situation we were in six months ago but in reverse where i was literally like you know that of course you're not a burden i don't like you're my girlfriend i want to to help you yeah. um, exactly. and it's just difficult when you're in that state to realize mm. that you're not a burden yeah um but yeah yeah so, so that, you know how, how, how are you feeling now then do you oh well, yeah i want to say fine but not fine i mean uh, someone i was talking to a friend you know was saying that it, it's like you've got like a ball bouncing around the room yeah and occasionally it's going to hit and there's like a small box in there or something and when the ball occasionally hits the box you know all the, the emotions will come up again but but the ball, the box is getting smaller and the ball's getting smaller. Mm. But yeah. No, no, I'd say I'm in a good place now. Though. Good. And good. Like, it's, it's absolutely okay to find yourself in a bad place again. Oh, it's yeah. It's just important oh, yeah. to know that the way to get through that is, is by talking about it because that internalized yeah. logic can get you really trapped in that in that room right like it can make that room smaller and you're going to hit that square more often it's the oh, fact exactly. that you've yeah. it's the fact you've acknowledged all of this like i yeah. said before the emotional maturity of this whole situation tom is going to get you through it so yeah, yeah. no i mean i've had my very well immature moments and i've had my mature moments but it's it's all a learning curve really and exactly we come out a stronger person but no i've had my dad here and <laughs> bless him i've not <laughs> i've been a bit of a mess around him sometimes but we that's what oh. family are for, though. Yeah, exactly. But we're good. We're good. That's all I had to say. I got a lot out there. I spoke for a while, actually. That was quite nice. Good. <laughs> um, all right, Jake, do you want to go next or do you want me to jump in? You go next. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, last week I was, I was uh, struggling, like really physically feeling fatigued, and, and that was meaning that I had to confront a lot of the kind of mental things that I'd been ignoring for a while um and i don't know whether that's that's made me worse or better this week um like i i so this this week i've I felt much less fatigued um but much much more anxious if that makes sense so i found i found myself really jittery in the evenings and um i i went from so last week probably having I, I think i had about one or two panic attacks and then uh this week i've been having about one every day <clears throat> and so like it's yeah, it's, it's been getting quite bad and I've never, my panic, I've never had like proper hyperventilating stars feeling like I'm going to die panic attacks before. Normally when I, I get a increase, you know, huge increase in anxiety, um, I'll just get irritable or jittery or whatever. <clears throat> but yeah, these last couple of weeks I've been having proper panic attacks. 
and that's been something that I've I've really <clears throat> yeah that's been something that I've been struggling to come to terms with because that's a very very physical uh display of my own mental health if that makes sense because like, I think yeah. when it's in, it, when it's internalized I can tell myself that I'm doing better and I can tell myself that I'm aware of how I'm feeling and stuff but yeah it, a panic attack it, there's something really raw and vulnerable about a panic attack it's like um, everything boils over yeah and you can't you can't well i mean obviously but you can't control what you're outputting to the world essentially and yeah. that's that's that to me was always the horrible part about panic attacks obviously and, the feeling and, of them but then the like you like you mentioned the vulnerability of it all yeah. you not being able to control that and and so i'm yeah i'm, I'm living with my girlfriend and, and um we're in this little studio thing that you can see all the listeners yeah. can't but um and so yeah it would normally be in the evenings and uh i don't know whether it's a, a symptom of anxiety or something else but i've been struggling to breathe as well like i felt like there's been something blocking my throat right at the just before it splits into yeah. the lungs um and so often when i'm struggling to breathe or i'm coughing then that kind of triggers me feeling like i need to breathe harder and then it yeah. kind of escalates up into into a full-scale panic attack and when it happens i just like the the absolute worst thing is so when i hope she's okay with saying this but when when she has a panic attack it's very much she wants to be reassured and like i i stroke her and talk to her and make sure that she knows that i'm there um but when i you know when i started having them i just wanted to get out and i just wanted nothing i didn't want her to see me like that i didn't want you know and so like it felt to her like every time i was getting bad she needed to tense up and, and make sure she wasn't anywhere near me because when you know when, when my vision was closing up i'd just be like i just need to get out and get away and i'd be yeah. like just go out outside and sit down and i it wasn't until last night that i realized that one that's not a, it's not a good way of dealing with it because whilst for me it felt like i could deal with it by myself i was still having panic attacks right i was still getting worse and they were still going on for longer and it, it wasn't until last night that i was talking through it with her that i sort of came to the realization that the reason i don't like her uh so she should try to like talk me down so she tried mm. to like distract me by being like oh i read this story today uh this yeah. is really interesting or oh uh, what's yeah whatever mm. um and and i'd just be like just stop talking to me i don't need this and i it wasn't yeah it wasn't until last night that i realized that it's because i I wanted to prove that I could do it myself. Yeah. Mm. Which is, is so insane when you say it out loud. But I would, mm. my, my internalized logic was, I'm too smart for this. Like, I, I know I'm having a panic attack. And even though I feel like I'm dying, I know I'm having a panic attack. Yeah. I know I'm not going to die. So I don't need anyone else. I can sit here in, by myself and get through this myself because I'm too smart for anxiety. Yeah. Mm. It, that's just sure. so insane like such insane internal logic i think um, i think that's quite a and if you don't mind using a, a buzzword sorry guys give me a second that's okay it's quite a toxic masculine thing yeah that we yeah. are it's been boiled down into us that we're sort of expected to be able to deal with things on our own mm. um and i'm speaking sorry, purely guys. from a male experience here and I, I'm, I'm sure you, you you can both relate but we're not expected to, you know, fall back on other people. Yeah. Um, or at least internally, we're not. When you've got a big group of friends that you can trust, then perhaps it, it, it's different. But even then, when, you, when you're at your most vulnerable and you know yourself best, it's incredibly, incredibly hard to, even to the closest people around you, to be able to give a little bit of some or even open to that mm. experience and when you're in your most vulnerable state as you describe in a panic attack it's not unruly or bizarre given how society has cradled us to suspect mm. that you would be that way so mm. th that doesn't make it necessarily a good thing and you've acknowledged that that as well which is a start of things um to moving on and so what did you do next Elliot essentially is what I'm what I'm trying to get at yeah well so I, I yeah I, I just kind of spoke to Jenny and I was like like I'm aware and that, that was it I came to the realization that that was 
that was a thought process of toxic masculinity. That's, that's something which has been conditioned into me by society and that I need to get over. Um, and she kind of explained to me this really interesting thing in that when something happens and you have your gut reaction, that's so often when something happens and I have a gut reaction, uh, and then I feel guilty for having that gut reaction, if that makes sense. Right. So in this example, I have a panic attack and I'm like, I'm too smart for this. And then I'm like, that's dumb. Like, why do I think I'm better than that? And I end up berating myself for it. Mm. But she explained it to me like this is that your gut reaction to things is the way that society has conditioned you, but your recognition. So your, your second thought, that's the way that defines who you are. And that's that, that defines who you are because that is your conscious brain that's that's telling you how to react to those societal conditioning that, you, that you've already received and it and and it's i i yeah she, she explained that it was it was to do with uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and that recognizing those automatic responses that you have and kind of combating them slowly so mm-hmm. it's, it's not you know it's not a bad thing that my instinct is that toxic response but acknowledging that it's toxic is is good but yeah which you so have I, I, yeah and and but it took me a week of being shitty to to admit to that um yeah and these things like they're not i mean they don't the solutions to them don't come about immediately which is the tough thing like it, it's mm. it's it, it's really good to go through a process like like you have done to have these experiences try something and then acknowledge that it's probably not the best thing to do and, and try and different uh, try a different way that hopefully does more does more for you mm. but like you were saying about the initial reaction, like I, I get that completely. Like trying to figure things out for yourself and trying to do things for yourself and give yourself your own comfort is is a big thing, and it's very easy. And it, it's something you know, I, I, you know I've, I've never had like a, a full blown panic attack on that scale, like you described. But in previous times when I've been overwhelmed or felt panicky before i've always wanted to give myself my own reassurance like i've always felt that i I, you know if i can't do it for myself then how am i meant to do anything yeah so it's it's such an unreasonable response to think and it's so like arrogant as well to think that you're too smart for Mm. for for mental illness it's like going no no no, i i've not got the cold i'm too strong (laughs) for that um my immune system is just best (laughs) would you would Uh, you argue that it's somewhat disbelief in a sense that no, you're I, I was sorry, I was definitely that, aware that I was having a panic attack yeah and I've definitely been aware of that but I mm-hmm. absolutely my mental thought process is that I'm like I know that it's happening but I'm too smart to let it affect me or whatever um and that that was that was you know what I had to come to terms with um and like that's that's also been just a staple of of my mental health in general like ref, like I, I didn't want to acknowledge that so I, I was very much aware from the age of about 17 or 18 that I was experiencing disassociation. Mm-hmm. So feeling that I was very like almost drunk all of the time. Um, and sometimes I'd black out and I'd just appear in places and not know how I got there. But for, you know, for the first two or three years, I didn't want to, I refused to acknowledge that it was anything mental. And I was very insistent that it had to be a physical thing wrong with me. So I had, I had blood tests and MRI scans and sleep scans and, trying to work out what was physically wrong with me but nothing was physically wrong with me and it's yeah so it's it's and and it's most likely triggered by something that you know i I don't know yet i've not i mean that and it's that in itself though if if you don't want me pulling pulling to this point is it proves that mental health care in this country is still not yet up to scratch Mm. because if it was Mm. they would have acknowledged that that was you know where you were at and the yeah. fact that they were testing for things physical um and, and almost ignoring the mental um characteristics of, of your behavior um yeah i think there's a long way to go and i mean there are several campaigners that would agree with that but the fact that you've got there on your own hmm. i mean it both is a good thing but proves the point that i just made yeah and and like yeah, I, I'm sure a part of it was me, my insistence on, on different physical symptoms and stuff like that. But yeah, it was, um, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't remember the point I was making, but yeah, I, yeah, I wanted to insist that it was physical because that meant that it wasn't mental because I was too smart for it to be mental, which is again, insane in its logic because 
you know, I, I, I have been for a lot of my friends, like the, um, I, I throughout, yeah, throughout a lot of my later teen years, I talked a lot of friends through their own mental health struggles, whether you know, depression or anxiety or, or OCD and stuff like that. And I considered myself so open with my mental health because of that. You know, I was like, I've seen the full spectrum of what mental illness can do to people or mental health problems can do to people. And so I need, you know, I need to be so on it just so that I know if I'm ever going there. But at the same time, my brain was going there, but you're, you're also too smart for mental health, which again is insane because I did not believe that the people who, you know, were suffering from depression were in any way dumb. Does that make sense? Yeah, but it, it's like my yeah. brain held myself to different standards than I held my friends to. Well, it's it almost, to I, I, is that denial though? In a, in a way possibly yeah but i think it i think it relates to that um idea of, of feeling like a burden in the idea that absolutely any of my friends uh, can talk i mean even any of my acquaintances can talk to me about their mental health because i think that's so important mm -hmm. but i would never go to anyone else about my mental health mm -hmm. and it's that double standard that is in my head that i i, I need to acknowledge and, and slowly overcome but i yeah. think it's that's that's the symptom of it is holding myself to different to a different account to what to what i hold other people to yeah and just one talking to someone else about it is tough but two like it's also a scary thing like talking about these things that you that you can't one physicalize in front of you and that like you said the doctors haven't physicalized that like how how do you go about mm. talking about that how do you go about yeah just that, just how do you go about scary, dealing with that isn't it? it's, it's a scary it situation yeah. You, you feel very vulnerable in front of other yeah. people. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. And it's a, it is, it's a scary thing. That's exactly it. Because you yeah. feel like you're putting your, your soul out there and your vulnerabilities out there. And I think that's just another thing which we as a society need to come to terms with is that mm. being open about your mental health doesn't make you vulnerable. It, it just makes you honest. And the more discussions I have with people, the more I realize that everyone goes through it at, at some point to some yeah. degree, everyone experiences it, but just because we don't openly talk about it, it feels like we're the exception and we're the vulnerable one and we would be the burden and no one would understand us. And it's, it's a vicious cycle in that no one explains it because everyone feels vulnerable. And no it's one not normalized, it. is it? If it, if this, yeah. if mental health was normalized and don't get me wrong, we are getting to a point where it's getting better but we've got we've got miles and miles and miles to go if it yeah. was normalized i don't think people would be in this situation as often as they find themselves in now we're still as a society only just coming to terms with opening up about our own mm. you know internal problems or internal struggles um and the fact that you know us three as a group of friends and i and, and i hope that the people listening you know are hearing this and and if, if you're struggling and, and, and you're, you know, you can't, you haven't opened up yet, um, please open up to a friend if, and when you can, um, yeah. cause that's what we want to do. We want to try and promote that because that's what needs yeah. to happen in society. And Elliot, yeah. you doing that now, even it, you know, even just, you know, to your girlfriend, something that you, you couldn't even do with her previously. And, and you've now started to do, um, after acknowledging your behavior, that's a fantastic thing. And you've done mm. that all off your own back. So you should be proud of yourself. Thank you. I, yeah. I just as a, a final note on that, um, the, I, I've, yeah, I've, I have felt like I've always been quite open with Jenny as my girlfriend about my mental health. But I think it's something that I, I've always considered goes hand in hand, like mm. being uh, uh, vulnerable with my mental health with my partner because, because they're my partner and I can trust them. And that, that in itself is, again, it's something, it's a symptom of toxic masculinity in that men tend to feel like they can only be emotionally vulnerable with their significant other. Yeah. And, um, and it, yeah, it branches off into two things in that men often have smaller uh, uh, support networks because I don't feel like I can build a support network out of my friends because I don't feel like I can be emotionally vulnerable with them. And, you know, obviously a part of this is me trying to normalize that support network. Right. But 
it, on on top of that it, then you get um the the on a minor note it's that you know that outrage of of being friend zoned um mm. it, it i read a really interesting piece which was talking about how the fact that the, the reason why guys see the the friend zone as anything so the reason why a guy is in a situation with a girl where the girl perceives him as a friend and the guy perceives her as more than a friend, the reason why that's so outrageous to a guy is because often it's a situation where the guy has been emotionally vulnerable with the girl and the girl perceives that as just a normal part of friendship. Mm. And that's why the girl perceives it as a friendship. But, but the guy associates emotional vulnerability with uh, romantic, like romantic partners and, and yeah. emotional partners and stuff like that. And so yeah. the guy has got a totally different perception of this relationship and then feels outraged because he's like, well, I've put my, emotional vulnerability out there because they see it as vulnerable how come that's not being replicated and then you get this this anger in response which again it's toxic it's it's not something which should be normalized and yeah no that i makes, hope it's something that we're coming to terms with that definitely makes sense because you know for me personally i've never been one to open up about what i feel like on the inside i've always been someone just to keep it in and try and deal with myself until it gets too much and then i think okay this is when i need to speak to someone about it but just saying that just with friends, like I've never even really considered saying this is how I feel because my friends are who I have fun with. My friends are people I smile with. So bringing a frown, bringing sadness to that table just doesn't seem to click. And then, you know, when I was with my ex, you know, that's when, uh, that's the only time I really felt like there was someone other than my family who could, I could actually open up with it about. So you know, that that's interesting to to hear that there's an actual like writing about it yeah because that's, that's really something that you feel but don't really address because that can also be a reason why addressing the emotional nature of a breakup can be difficult for men because mm -hmm. if you've lost that person who you would be emotionally open with you then no longer have anyone but yourself who you can be open with and then you're stuck in that twisted internal logic that's irrational exactly and it, yeah it's just like a it's a complete internal battle because it's like you know I was able to get all these problems out to someone who I trust, but now that's not there. Mm. And you know, I, you know, you try and go back, but it, it, it you, you can't. And that's, that's a, one of the many battles that you face as well. <laughs> but yeah. So you don't have to deal with those battles to, on your own though. And that's something. Exactly. That, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, that's something that you should I, be aware of now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what I want to put out. You can, Talk to anyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so how's, how's your week been then, Jake? Oh, Christ. Um, <laughs> I personally have been um, getting better at the things we discussed last week. So I've been more open. I've been talking. I've, uh, with my girlfriend, I've been getting my emotions sort of out there and how I've been feeling. Um, this week, as you'll uh, be aware, I'm surprised I haven't even mentioned this yet, but it was uh, International Mental Health Week. Um, yes. And uh, there's a lot of fantastic things going on um, to help people during this time. Um, and in my job, uh, we were doing a mental health hour every week. And as I mentioned last week, I'm on the, I'm on the phone. So I take the phone calls for uh, these mental health hours. Now, obviously, I can't go into detail about specifics and who said what and all of that. Yeah. Um, but as you can imagine, when you're when you're actively asking for people who are in a bad situation to call in to a radio station, you're going to inevitably get people that are going to call in that are in a bad place. Yeah. And I spoke to so many people last week, or sorry, earlier this week, who were not in a good place and I mean I tried my absolute hardest to to help them and, and some of them I did put on air um, so we they could speak to the various experts that we had on counsellors um, uh, psych psychiatrists etc we had four different different guests throughout the week we tried to stick to, to four different topics but it was for the whole it was general mental health um, but there's only so much you can do but then, and I think I touched on this last week, it's that that impact of hearing all of those negative stories and hearing all of people being in a bad position and hearing, you know, people on the brink, 
the impact of that on me because I'm the only person taking those phone calls and I'm the only person hearing the behind the scenes bit has been horrendous this week. I mean, mm. it's got to the point where I, I love my job. I adore it. And I'm so fortunate to be in a position where I work in radio, but I didn't want to go in multiple points this mm. week because I was just so mm. anxious, terrified to take phone calls um, I didn't want to hear somebody on the brink. I didn't, because I was afraid that, I, I mean, I didn't know what to do because ultimately the only thing I can do in that scenario is point them to help that they need. I can mm. only signpost. That's, that's the only ability that I have. Um, and knowing that you could be, you, you know, they, they might not accept that help. They might, they, it's just so much emotional burden on me. Um, mm. and I, I just got to the point where I didn't want to go in. I was, I was terrified. Mm. I was anxious of doing the job, um, that I love. Um, and so there were points this week where I just said, and I haven't missed a day, bearing in mind, since I started working there four mm. months ago, mm. that I was just thinking, I, I, I need to just message my manager and say, no, I, I, I just can't do this. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I didn't. I, I stuck with it. And I think sticking with mm. it was probably the right thing to do in terms of <laughs> um, the fact that I, I have this other thing where I, I hate missing things. Like I, when yeah. I'm working, and I, I mean, you two both know me that I'm, I'm very much when I get into something, I, I'm either 100% or 0%. Um, <laughs> I, I throw myself in, into it. So in that sense, that's, that's sort of satisfied that element of me. But I think in the long term, I'm definitely going to see a counsellor when this is all over and done with about mm. all of this, I think. Um, because I think the other side of what we're talking about is, is that we, when you're somebody who is detached from things, so let's say you're on the end of a phone line and you're talking to somebody who you don't know and you're capable of detaching yourself from that situation and not associating care with another human being. I think you're, you're far more capable of being able to sit in that situation and deal with those calls. I can't do that. I cannot detach. I care. I care. And it's, mm. it's the, the one thing I suppose you can't really do in that situation. But then how do I not care as a human about somebody who's also a human who's in a bad position? Um, yeah. Well, that's where I go, well, what, I leave. I leave work. What if I didn't help them? What if I didn't give them the right advice? What mm. if they're going to do something, you know, do something that might harm themselves now? What, what if um, a bad thing happens as a result of what I said? why why yeah. didn't they follow my advice i tried to give them all mm. the advice i could and it's just all of those frustrations and emotions and and that's still bombarding around my head like in my free mm. time i just sit down and i think about all of those calls that i've taken over the past week yeah. and how i'm just like was i was i did i do did i do this right yeah. Yeah. No, I think that the fact that that you stuck with it. I mean, <clears throat> firstly, huge fair play for that sticking with it and going into work and keep keep on doing what you're doing. It, it it's so well is amazing thing to do. Firstly, so fair play for that. But I think you know, I, you know, you said you're, like you're you're a very caring person and and it's hard to to da to detach yourself. Sorry, but you got to recognize it, it's not your job to to take the responsibility of these people i mean I'm, I'm not sure if that sounds harsh or not but it's it's the job of the counselors and the experts that you're putting them through to that's yeah. that's what they're coming for the fact that these people are, are addressing that they are in a bad place and want help from it mm. that's the first step and that's that's the step you're part of you're, you're not part of the step of finding the solution you're you're part of the step of finding them help which is, but it's which when is what they're doing it's more it's more when so there are scenarios where i can't put people through onto the air because it's it's just would yeah. be it would be wholly 
irresponsible to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, scenarios where they need urgent help there and mm-hmm. then. They don't need to go onto a radio program. Um, and it's in those scenarios where they refuse the signposting and they just want to talk to you and they expect you to know the answer to their problems yeah and it's it's difficult as well a, you, what what do you do in that scenario and, and yeah and i'm not qualified to be able to give medical advice or you know mental health advice. i'm just i can give it i can give my experience i can give what i think but that that is a whole minefield in itself where i i mm. i shouldn't be doing it, yeah that. like is is your like your responsibility as producer isn't to talk them through it's to assistant producer sorry assistant producer <laughs> <laughs> not quite yet um yeah it, you know it isn't your role as assistant producer to talk them through that but i think there absolutely is a tendency like just as a, on a human level hearing someone in trouble and mm. feeling like i've got to help them and and absolutely we sh- we you know we should be trying to help everyone that we coming that we com- should be coming in coming into contact with but you need like i think you need to understand that in that situation all you can do is is signpost and it's it's like it's something that i've been trying to put together in my head like since you've been in talking about it because on on one hand it's it's difficult because i feel like uh you you should have been given some kind of training on 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 yeah. how to kind of deal in these situations because it's, it's a very different situation to what your normal job is i assume mm. <laughs> um and you're kind of being bombarded with i don't know how many people and you don't need to disclose that but i'm sure it's it's quite a lot of people it's who i mean are perceiving like, to be in stress per, per show yeah somebody who's in crisis i would say we get at least three right so there you are so you're in the course of an hour Over the course of an hour, you're coming into contact with three people who are in crisis, and you, as your you, Jake Willis, don't have mental health first aid training. You have to judge whether they are in a you know what needs to happen with them, and then they they go and they're gone and they're out of your lives, and you don't get that closure and you don't get a knowledge of whether they're okay or not. Mm. it's detaching it's essentially yeah. d- detaching yourself and that's which a is, difficult part which is something that i i am yet to be able to do because mm. ag- again i'm 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 i care too much about people and you know human beings who are in need of help which is it's c- so counterintuitive because that that feeling is a good feeling but when you're not I guess, yeah. qualify to deal with people in that situation, it's also a bad thing. Because if you were then attempt to sort the situation out, you could be making it worse, couldn't you? Yeah. Because um, I think, especially if you're someone who's used to talking to their friends about their problems, yeah. right? And if you're used to being there for friends and that not being a problem normally, right? And because you're, you're happy to talk to your friends and that's never normally a problem. And you can talk people through things and you can signpost and that has more weight coming from a friend than from a, a, a you know random assistant producer completely yeah but then you're in this situation where you're applying the same amount of investment into people who you know what i mean like you're not the best person to help them but that's really difficult if you're the only person they want to talk to mm. um and you know I, I feel like this is one of the one of the times when we as three men with no training in mental health whatsoever might be reaching the edge of our yeah we're completely reaching the edge of of our boundary because because we're not professionals (laughs) we're we're not we're not professionals no um Um, but like in in terms of your situation i think absolutely making sure that you have a network of people outside of work that you feel comfortable talking to about this mm -hmm. means that you can feel like you can unload little bits on people without feeling like hey here's the six people i thought we're in crisis today you know it's it's you can unload well, yeah, little I mean, bits and, and and receive that support that i think you probably need at a difficult time like this yeah and like i said after all after all of this i don't think i'm at that stage yet where i need it there will there will come a stage where i do almost well, certainly too, too smart for it right? <laughs> um no i don't i don't personally feel <laughs> that um 
yeah, I, I, I just think that I'm at, a, I'm at a point where because I'm not locked down as we've described previously mm. and I'm still going into work that I have a I have a respite in a sense that I'm I'm able to move around still I'm able to to do other things that allow me to 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 not think about that um but when mm. I get free time to think that's when I start thinking about all of the dark stuff that I have heard um and mm. I think, think if I were if I were so locked sorry if I were locked down no, no, like right now um mm. and sort of in a situation perhaps like you two I think then I would 100% need it because I would I would start I would start thinking about it all the time um mm. but I'm lucky in the sense so, that currently I've got things to to think about otherwise as yeah. a counter to that though doesn't it sound like you're saying I'm okay I don't need to deal with it now because I'm able to distract myself it completely does yeah because then then all that's happening is it's just building up and when you finally need to release it's going to be a lot more than if you were releasing little bit by bit and the way I the way I visualize it and this doesn't always help with every like it's not a catch-all metaphor but the way I visualize my mental health sometimes is it's like a it's like a glass of water and with each uh thing like yeah there you go (laughs) With each, one right you know, here little bit, uh, <laughs> with each daily stress or worry or whatever, it fills up a little bit more mm-hmm. and eventually it gets to the, the top and you can keep ignoring it. But once it gets to the top, all it takes is a tiny drop for it to overflow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it can be the tiniest thing. Like I, I can't find my phone and that can be the thing that pushes me over the edge. Mm-hmm. But if you're aware that water's coming in slowly, if you can just open that tap at the bottom every now and again and, let go of some of it to, to yeah. someone else and, and help talk through it. Well, that's even what this does. Even if you feel like you're not even halfway full, <laughs> it's going to future-proof, it's going to protect you from, from the future when you, perhaps you, you physically don't have the time to open that tap. So one of the great things about doing this podcast um, is that I know we're, we're doing it for, for everybody. We want to raise awareness of, of men who are in difficult situations and they should talk about that but it's also good for me for you for tom for all of us because we are getting things off of our chest um and i think that's Mm. probably another thing um i mean i know it's not professional help i know it's not um Mm. probably what i am i need maybe i'm going to need um what i'm definitely going to get after all of this is over and done with but for the time being, I think this is somewhat allowing, as you described, Elliot, some of that water to be released. Um, mm. I'm coping. I'm, I'm, I'm very much coping. Last, you know, sorry, this week rather, um, was tough. And I heard a lot of stuff that I'm obviously not going to disclose, but I, I wouldn't yeah. have wanted any of you to hear or go through. Um, mm. But at the same time, I think... I dealt with it quite well in the situation and even though all of the doom and gloom that you know it has had an effect on me I I do look back and take pride in in the way that I handled you know dealing with those those phone calls and I gave them as much advice as I can and and yeah the ones that I I couldn't help um, or didn't listen to me they exist Um, and that is the, the source of sort of most of my um, upset with this but I helped people I know that and that I take pride with yeah no the fact that you've got the confidence in yourself to know that you're offering some sort of help and that you're dealing with it well is it's that's really good to have because you are you I, I know you as a person and I know you would deal with this sort of thing in the best possible way you know the way to go about this sort of thing so you are you're doing well is what I'm saying basically. <laughs> Long way of saying it. I, yeah, I, no, yeah, I think definitely if if it is becoming too much, then it's definitely worth talking to people where you work about it to get because it, it's unfair to one like you said not feel yeah. feel afraid of going in. It's unfair to have that burden. And I've got to say, like my what my work have provided us, um, I guess resources they've given us free headspace memberships which is quite nice and i've been using utilizing that app yeah. um it's, it's quite a uh 
it allows me to uh, detach from the world um, and, and just relax yeah. for a second or, you know, 30 minutes, whatever, which is very nice. Yeah. Um, so there is, there, is, there is things being done to help us. It's not like we are completely on our own. And I've got a fantastic set of, of colleagues around me who are also very supportive as well. So um, when it comes to the working environment, there is, there is a level of support there that, that, has, that has helped me um but i do this every week i have you know we have a mental health hour every week it was just this week with the four of them that we had and the fact that you know we had just a a vast more amount of callers than we perhaps would have had normally um that, that's why it was mm. tough and yeah, yeah i'll definitely see a counselor at the end of this and for the yeah. time being I, but i yeah I, this is helping yeah just know for the for the time being we're here like you don't feel like you have to keep it all hold up just so you can say it all on a podcast at the end of the week because we are here throughout the week no don't worry i have been i have been i have been uh, also as as we described last week i have been opening more up to my girlfriend about these issues and again i'm 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 keeping I, i mentioned this last week again i'm keeping sort of the, the the worst of it the sort of the stuff that i don't think i need to mention out of that so the stuff i hear because i don't think i need to spread that negativity but what I am feeling, I've been opening up far more than perhaps I had done previously. Yeah. And just releasing a little bit, like Elliot said, with the, the water analogy, just releasing a little bit now and then can do wonders. And, and just being able to feel like you can get it out and to, to someone else other than yourself is it's really... I think, I think that might be our top tip of the day, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> get it out. Slow. Get it out. Slow. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much again for sharing, guys. Um, again, I feel like we've, we've, we've covered some really, really important topics of, um, you know, breakups and, and going through that not alone. Um, yeah. Feeling like you're absolutely not too smart for mental health. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, n- trying to make sure that, that you um, are, are not waiting until it's all too much to, to release. Like, I, I think it's important to not feel like it has to be bad enough for you to let people know how, how you're feeling. But yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me guys. And thank you again uh, to all of you at home who are listening. Um, if you do have any uh, feedback or anything like that, please uh, do let us know. But I, I was really pleased with everyone seemed very, very happy with our, our yeah, last one. Yeah. Which was, the response yeah, that was good. great. No, it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I've been Elliot. I've been Jake. And I've been Tom. Stay safe. Stay alert. Ah, damn, did I get it in? (laughs) Thanks for listening. Please remember that none of us are professionals. And if you do need help, please seek professional advice from either your local GP or any of the established charities that I'll leave in the description. If you want to see what else we're up to, follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Jesting Dog Productions. 